to address the issues facing Tennesseans today. From 10 News, this is Inside Tennessee. Good morning and welcome to Inside Tennessee. I'm your moderator, John Becker. We now know the results of the election this week. This morning, we drill down on what it means for Tennessee and why. Maybe some things you missed on election night. Our panel, a super one. Two hour left here on your screen. Let's introduce the Democrats. In this corner, Don <laughs> Bosch joins us. Billy Steer, Reed Guthrie, all with us on election night. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Good morning. If you look to my left, you see Susan Richardson-Williams, Daniel Herrera, and also Mackenzie Manning, all with us as well on election night. I'm out of my place. Yes, <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it's a break We'll get you back next to Bosch soon. Also, my Can't colleague wait. John North <laughs> here, and he's going to kick us off with some observations. Just we're going back to uh, a little context here because we've had a few days to process this, John. What stood out to you uh, on election night and after? couple things. First of all, I think most of us assumed that the Blackburn-Bresson race was going to be as close as the Corker-Ford race was from 2006. Do you remember that race? I think Corker won by about 50,000 votes on election night. It was tight. It was a very tight race. And uh, Tuesday night didn't turn out that way at all. It wasn't close at all. It was like 240,000 votes, I think, that Marsha Blackburn won by. So that sort of blew that out of the way. And yet far more votes were cast Tuesday and in early election than we saw in the 2006 race. The other thing that struck me was, so we had um, 1.3 million votes cast early, and we had a total of about 2.2 million votes cast across the election in the state of Tennessee. So what you see is, again, the prominence of early voting and how that's kind of a big locomotive coming down the tracks. Here in Knox County, roughly 70% of all votes cast were cast early. And that was, it was, you know, it made for a very quick night, relatively speaking, for all of us. I think we were thinking, it's going to be a long night. It really wasn't. The it, message to candidates for that early vote is what, Susan, when you see that many people voting early? Um, start mailing your mail Make your case early. earlier. Start yep. doing your advertising a lot uh, earlier. And you have to do that. And candidates have not traditionally done that. And every conversation I've had with them has said, you must start really five weeks out or so because you've got to get to that early voter. No, nope. no more October surprises. No. What, and what was your uh, takeaway as well, Susan, that we may not have talked about on election well, night? Well, my takeaway on the Bredesen-Blackburn race was really simple. I looked at where the counties where they where Bredesen won, and actually Bill Lee too, they carried three counties in the whole state of Tennessee. Marsha carried 92. And yet, Bredesen got about a million votes. And when you think about that, three counties, and take Haywood out because it's a small county, so Davidson and Shelby provided almost a million votes, and all of the rest of Tennessee went Republican. Went Defines red. that urban-rural yes, divide. and that urban-suburban-rural divide is huge now, and it's just growing stronger. Billy Stair, you drilled down even more on the numbers. What was illustrative to you? I think that an election like this is a really good snapshot in time of the state. It'll change over time. But there were t 2 million uh, subjects last night to analyze. In 2002, Phil Bredesen, when he was elected governor, carried the big four counties, like Susan said, by 61,000 votes and lost the remaining 91 counties by 11,000 votes. On Tuesday night, he carried the big four counties 
by 189,000 votes. You would think that would blow it out, but he lost the 91 other counties by 431,000. Tennessee has fundamentally realigned politically. It's urban, rural. It's not the pockets of East, Middle, and West that it used to be. Mackenzie, uh, we brought you on um, to talk about the millennial vote. It, overall in Knox County, I looked at the numbers and it appeared that less than 40% of voters who were eligible could vote. So it was about 37%, I believe, in total. Um, what, about, uh, what about the millennial vote in this election? The millennial vote in this election, as far as, you know, watching days prior, kind of seeing what my friends are doing, what all of the millennials are doing, you know, they got out more than they have in previous elections. They were a lot more active. And I think that that has to do with social media, with Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, with everything that we have that's pushing us to vote. And also just living in an urban city and around the university, that's also something that's propelling us to be voting more often. Um, however, in more rural counties, Yes, voter turnout was better, but I still think that we have a long way to go with the millennial vote because they feel like they're being left behind. We are disconnected, um, I think, in rural communities from the state house and also like national coverage. We just feel like we don't have a voice. And um, I think that that's something that we'll continue to see play out and hopefully with social media that's going to grow connections. Well, to you, Reed, uh, you're in charge of young Democrats across the state. Um, what have you seen as effective tools to reach uh, millennials? Uh, like Mackenzie said, you know, social media really can uh, spread that message out to a lot of people. But even uh, we were talking last uh, a few nights ago about the uh, um, Hulu and YouTube, you know, they're using ads on there. And uh, it's, it's just getting that message out in different ways where young people are going to see it. We're on our computers, we're on our tablets, we're on our phones all the time. So just getting that message out in different ways, uh, in more um, unique ways, you know, a lot of people uh, in Tennessee have stuck to sending uh, stuff via email or um, in the mail, you know, leaving uh, pamphlets on the doors. So just using social media as a tool is really going to uh, affect millennials. Don Bosch, um, your takeaway from election night. Um, a lot along the lines of what uh, Billy and Susan have said. Um, what's interesting though is I, I'm seeing an emerging pattern and it's one that's going to take a few years to develop um, as the metropolitan areas and, and let's take the big four just not Shelby and Davidson but let's include Knox and Hamilton as they sort of expand and and you know suburban becomes urban becomes suburban as they grow this gap that we saw last night illustrated particularly by the Blackburn Bredesen race will narrow and will again be in situations like we see now in Florida and Georgia where it is razor thin and we go back to or go to a more purple color in the state. Daniel, we're going to lead off with your observations. We've got to take a quick break and the second one you'll kick us off and then we'll talk more about the statewide races as well as the national implications of this election right after this on Inside Tennessee. Back on Inside Tennessee. Daniel Herrera, Republican, worked for Tim Burchett for a while. Big success there. We'll get to that race in a minute. But first, your major takeaway from election night. I think one of the biggest things we have to uh, focus on is the amount of money that was flooded into the state of Tennessee. Uh, I mean, we've seen millions and millions uh, poured into the Senate race. Uh, and there's a real reason for that. Uh, the reason why the Senate was so important is because President Trump has made it very clear that he wants to be the president that gets judges um, on the bench. Uh, and I think that's why we saw uh, these millions of dollars come from out of state, because 
races like like the uh, uh, like the state of Tennessee's uh, U.S. Senate one with Blackburn and Phil Bredesen, uh, I think we didn't anticipate it to be cold so early. Uh, I think we all pretty much thought it was going to be dragged out. But uh, it, it shows why, why it's so important, because these judges need to be elected. So, uh, and we saw that around nationally, why, why the Republicans gained seats in the U.S. Senate. We talked about on election night that <laughs> the spending may reach $90 million in that race. John, you dug up some figures that are illustrative of just how much money that is. Uh, yeah, well, there's all kinds of things you can do with $90 million. But uh, it, it looked in terms of the court, Ford Corker uh, yeah, It was a fraction. I think it was something like $20, $25 million maybe. I think they were a little 30, over $30, 30 million. Yeah. And, and at that time, one of the most expensive races the yeah. state Everybody it was back the most was. expensive race Everybody back, back then was shaking their heads about, I can't believe how much money That's was triple spent. It. We can return to that, and, and, and the governor, uh, Governor Haslam made the point that the bulk of that money coming from out of state, people can't even vote for... Um, those two candidates were, were pouring money in the race. It was race. probably the first time a statewide election has had a majority of the funds from out of state in Tennessee. Well, that, we had, that was a bridge we crossed. Yeah, Tom Ingram on just a few weeks mm -hmm. ago, and you know, Tom talked about the uh, Howard Baker, John J. Hooker plan of you can't give money to me if you can't vote. And that looks a little more rational and sane uh, this Sunday than, than uh, in light of what happened last week. Let's flip to the uh, governor's race. And Susan, you spent time in state government. Uh, you worked for former Governor Sunquist. Um, you were head of the GOP in the state. What does Tennessee look like under Bill Lee? Because the criticism I've heard from people on the Democratic side of the aisle is they haven't heard as many specifics as they'd like to hear from him. Well, I think that's going to be a surprise for all of us. This <laughs> is a man who's never been involved in politics or government at all. He won simply because he was the nice guy. I mean, literally. He played and that in the primary. He played that in the primary, he played it in the general, and that, that really stuck and it worked. So now we're gonna find out how does he govern. And I think it'll be really important in the next couple of months to see who he selects to be his chief of staff, to be his commissioners, who are the folks he surrounds himself with. My guess is it'll be something like Bill Haslam. He's not gonna be very political much to the chagrin of a lot of staunch Republicans, but he's a good guy and, and he does have a good business sense, so I think he'll pick good people. Mackenzie, what do you want to see from Governor Bill Lee? One of the most important things to me personally is education. He is very big on career and technical education, and I really value that. I have not seen a lot of specifics, like Susan said, on what he specifically plans to do with education, but he's let out a lot of positive statements and positive points to that, but I think it remains to be seen how he's going to do that. I do trust that he will appoint um, good people and is under him because he does have a good business sense. As a Democrat, Reed, are you worried about um, what the state will look like under him or, or uh, taking a more positive stance on what's to come? Well, I think like we all have said, we don't really know what we're going to get with Bill Lee. Uh, he, he came kind of out of nowhere there in the primaries. Uh, I'm hoping that, that something's done about uh, passing in true Tennessee. I, I know that he has made comments that he is um, against that and uh, uh, you know um, I, I hope that he takes the, the polling that shows that majority of Tennesseans want it passed and, and sees that Tennesseans want this. If he's going to be the governor for Tennessee he needs to, to pass what the Tennesseans want. Billy drilled down on that a little bit more because as Reed mentioned Governor Haslam tried in sure Tennessee a plan to increase the amount of health care that people in this state have access to and that didn't make it out of committee. 
First of all, I think we need to give uh, Bill Lee a pass on this. Most governors don't get into great detail in a campaign That's about true. what they're going to do. McWhorter surely didn't, Lamar Alexander didn't, Sunquist didn't. So governors are ultimately measured by how they make big decisions. And I believe the most important decision of this entire election cycle, governor's race, Senate race, was when Bill Lee decided not to go negative when everybody else in the campaign was shooting each other. And that proved to be the smartest decision of the campaign. And it bodes well for being governor. His first big decision was a good one. Daniel, what decision would you like to see from this governor? Well, I would like to see us, uh, like Mackenzie said, probably find uh, some way to, to go into uh, invest more in education. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be towards college. Uh, not everybody needs to go to, towards college. The technical schools, I think, are a great investment. Uh, but I also like to see this uh, governor be a little more conservative as well. Uh, you know, uh, uh, taking, looking to the budget, seeing if there's any waste that we can cut, uh, and also trying to become more business friendly uh, and, and, and setting an environment where businesses can prosper and, and property owners and residents can invest in themselves. Is Tennessee not business friendly now? Oh, that's not what I'm saying. I think we could do a lot more. Uh, but the thing I think with uh, this governor he's going to have uh, an issue with is playing the political game <clears throat> with the General Assembly there are, you know, uh, and, and navigating how it's going to work in Nashville. Uh, I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges he has, but I think he's, he's going to be able to do it. We'll pick up on that point with Don Bosch and what he thinks of Governor Lee when we come back here on Inside Tennessee. Don Bosch back with us, Governor Bill Lee. What does that sound like to you and where do we go from here, Don? Well, I'd love to be a fly on the wall about six months in when he looks over at his chief of staff and his cabinet members and says, um, the legislature's my party? Uh, <laughs> I, I think he's going to have a tough time uh, and, and be really curious about when there's a, a hard red legislature and he is the Republican governor getting along with everybody. The thing that I'm interested in, and I want to see if he walks this walk because he talked it, and that's criminal justice reform. And that's been something he's been close to. We don't usually hear that out of Republican governors. It's usually tough on crime, more prisons, more jails, more time. He's taken a different approach and he's talked about it. Again, he's gonna have trouble selling that to the legislature, but I'm real interested to see if he's serious about that. What specifically, criminal justice reform, a big issue, what specifically could he do that you think could improve it from your perspective? Oh, sure, uh, treatment versus incarceration, just start right there. Two, um, uh, evaluating who should be in jail and who should not be in jail. Meaningful bail reform, truth in sentencing. There are so many things he could touch on that would make our system so much better. I've lived in it 30 years. I'm not talking off the cuff here. He's one of the, when I first met him a couple of years ago, one of the things he talked about was that he spends a lot of time working with prisoners. Right. So he and I have talked specifically about that in person. Him. So I think you are going to see uh, some Well, reforms. let's see if he'll walk the walk. He strikes me as a sort of the CEO. He's the CEO, not the governor. He talked, when he's been on this show, he's talked about his vision. That sounds like a CEO who's going to find department heads and say, here's my vision, you go execute. Funny, that's what Donald Trump said, yeah. too. Well, and it, and it is, it's not unlike what Bill Haslam said early on, and yeah. then he made it a, a point to say, this is not a CEO job when he introduced it. Um, right. It'll take him time to grow into it, and he will. But he's got to have good people, and that's yeah. the whole key. Watch and see who he selects between now and January. And, Don, you made the point that his party may get him in some trouble. We saw the gun issue 
um, give Governor Haslam um, some sleepless oh. nights, if you will. Insure Tennessee, the gas tax, the gun, <clears throat> is, gun issue, uh, abortion rights. Uh, so what's ahead for Bill Lee you think that could uh, be a, a challenge for him in the next legislative session? Everything. Uh -huh. And I say that because I, I think that this legislature will smell blood. They are a ruthless bunch, and Susan would probably agree with me, and they've got a, they've got a neophyte politician sitting in the governor's mansion, and they're going to try to push through some, pr some pretty harsh stuff that they think their constituency might want. And again, we go back to that rural divide. You know, like Susan and I were joking last night, I, uh, the first day that Glenn Cassida walks in there mm -hmm. on fire, you know, or, or, or Jeremy Faison or one of those, that's going to be an interesting day for Governor how Lee. About, how about if somebody says, let's make the Bible the state book? Oh, well, you know, then now we, we've got a governor that, as I've said, uh, sometimes I wondered if he thought he was running for state pastor versus state governor, and that's going to be interesting. The problem is, pass it, but he's going to have Herb Slatery, who will be the attorney general, that's a Supreme Court appointment, look at him and go, you know, we told the last batch that it was unconstitutional, are likely going to be and you're going to have problems depending on how you pass it. You mentioned the legislature. Let's talk about some of the local legislative races because we did see a surprise Democrat win. Gloria Johnson won. Reed, that is a, a huge victory in a race that the last two times has been decided by fewer than 200 votes between her and Eddie Smith. Yeah, definitely. It was a very exciting night for uh, the Gloria. Camp. How did she do it? You know, I, I think she she didn't go negative. You know, actually, I got a mailer from her and it said uh, people have been telling Gloria Johnson to send out negative ads, but here's a picture of a puppy instead. She did not go negative. You know, she st stuck to her message. She stuck to her message about passing in Sure Tennessee, and that resonated with voters. I was surprised that they also sent someone like Bill Lee up or voted so overwhelmingly for Bill Lee while also voting for Gloria Johnson. But, you know, they, the people have seen what Gloria Johnson could do before. They gave the race to Eddie Smith uh, twice before that, after that. And they decided they wanted Gloria to go back up there and fight for them. Daniel, we did see some challenges uh, Republicans face locally. Senator Briggs faced a, a pretty good upstart candidate from the view of this panel. Um, and we also saw Martin Daniel uh, be really challenged up until the end of the night with uh, Greg McKay, a right. former election administrator. Uh, what did uh, any wins locally tell you about the state of things locally as far as the legislative delegation? I think what we're, we're starting to see is uh, this fight. You know, it's not just enough to uh, uh, have that R next to your name anymore. I think the people of Tennessee, and especially Knox County, are looking for results in the, in the state legislature. Uh, and it's important that uh, candidates remember that they need to continue to speak their constituents and also keep knocking doors and making sure that their message is, is reaching voters. Um, unfortunately, Eddie Smith lost. For me, he, he was a, a good candidate, great representative. Uh, I think he was doing really, really well for his district. I'm not quite sure what else he could have done, um, but uh, he ran a great campaign, and I, I think we're going we're gonna to miss him dearly. Mackenzie, we hear from millennial voters that they care more about the candidate than they do about that D or R. Is that true from your perspective? From my perspective, unfortunately, I would have to say a lot of times the opposite for me. Um, I'm going to identify with my party. That's going to supersede the person, and maybe that's an error in judgment. However, are you an outlier among your friends or not? No. Do you think they're also? I think in the Republican Party, you're typically going to vote for the R because there are values that the Republican Party, you know. Um, individual individualism and personal liberty that 
Republicans aren't going to give up just because the other candidate may be a little bit more socially acceptable. Um, and that's kind of a hard pill to swallow, I think, and it's something that the Republican Party is going to continue to face because people are becoming more and more, pol the country is more and more polarized. And um, I don't necessarily identify super far right Republican, and it's getting harder and harder to fit in the middle and to find candidates that you can agree with in the middle. Back with more of our conversation on Inside Tennessee, recapping the midterm election right after this. Back on Inside Tennessee, Congressman Tim Burchett. Uh, it was even surprising for him to say that. Susan, what do you make of that win for him? I think he's just going to be the most fun congressman in Washington, <laughs> D.C. We'll hear a lot of dad gums and my sweet mama and daddy. And I predict he'll be on Fox at least once a week. <laughs> Daniel, you worked for him. Um, how, how excited were you as a former uh, person who, who rubbed shoulders with him to see him in Congress now? I think he's going to be a great fit in Congress. Um, he, his personality is just unmatched. And, uh, you know, he, he's... He's been the mayor of Knox County, and people loved him here. Uh, all around this district, people embraced him. Uh, he, he did really well. I mean, he had a tough primary against uh, Jimmy Matlock, but, you know, he stayed positive that, that election, and, and they rewarded him with, with a win. Uh, he, I mean, his ground game was unbeatable. I mean, his campaign manager, um, uh, Andrew Davis, I mean, he was somebody who was knocking doors every day with, with Tim, uh, even once the primary ended. Uh, they were knocking doors the next day. I mean, it was, it was just a well-deserved win. I think, I think he's going to be a great congressman, and I think the people are, are really going to like him. Billy, what does he have to do as a freshman congressman um, to win uh, some chutzpah from his party and from others? And the minority now. Yes. Let me answer it this way. There are two paths you can take, and Susan knows and Don knows this very well. If you want to go up the ladder in terms of committee assignments and influence. It's no longer just seniority like it was a generation ago. You have to raise money for the caucus. Jimmy Duncan never wanted to do that. Chuck Fleischman next door does. Which path is Tim going to take? I can predict. He's already said he's not going to raise money. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's not going to get some form committee assignments if the model still holds. All right, Don, let's stick with you and go down the line here. Um, when you look at what happened across the country on election night, what stands out to you that uh, speaks to the future of governing in this country? Very good night for the Democrats nationally. The one thing we didn't hear about that I think was really important, again, it fits a little more into what I do as a career. In Florida, Proposition 4, they uh, now 1.4 million felons, folks that have completed their sentences, though, are now eligible to vote. And that is huge and a huge number. In Tennessee, it's easy to get your rights restored. Florida has barred it. Big change. I'm going to bounce to the Republican side, McKenzie. Your thoughts on election night? My thoughts on election night, it, I thought it went really well for the Republican Party. I mean, we did we did lose the, the House of Representatives, but still we're in the Senate. Hoping, you know, maybe that means that we're going to actually have to work together and come together as a country um, might definitely block us, but we'll see. Billy? It's, it's odd to say things like this when you actually lost, but to sit here today and talk about a black woman was almost elected governor of Georgia, the, the race in Texas was not decided until about 1030 at night, 
the nation is realigning in the same way that Tennessee is realigning. It's the, the idea that a black man could come within one point of being elected governor of Florida, those are all amazing stories of, of Tuesday night. Daniel? I think it was foreseeable that the Democrats were going to take the House. Uh, the Republicans made more gains in the Senate. What that means is that the president is going to pump out more uh, judicial nominees uh, to be confirmed on the bench. But where, where the president's going to suffer in the House is that he's no longer going to be able to just ask for, for uh, funding for his border wall or for any other tax cuts. That's going to be the big, big change for this president. And I, I'm interested to see how he handles it. 15 seconds for me. Sure. Um, I think that it went well for the Democrats. We took the House. Um, but, you know, there's still kinks in our uh, formula to win that we got to work on. Susan Tech. Changing voting patterns. I, I, Billy and I are on the same page. It's, mm -hmm. it's changed dramatically. For our super panel and John North, we appreciate you watching. And we'll see you next week on Inside Tennessee.